For those of you looking for a quiet Wednesday in the markets, wrong. We got the banks moving, the regional banks moving. We got Snapchat not doing too good. Got a lot of earnings discussed. Got a new guest coming on at uh, 835, Martha Stokes from Technotrader. It's Wednesday. Let's get it going here on Pre-Market Prep. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. All right. Good morning, traders and investors. Uh, we're in the green. Ten and a half handles here. 48.85.50. Uh, clearing out the highs from Friday, Monday, and Tuesday now with this rally. Uh, the buck's down a little bit. 11 cents, 103.95. Bond's down about a half a point. 120 and 17.30 seconds. Crude up modestly. 53 cents, 73.83. Gold down 260 at 20.48.80. Silver in the red. Uh, just 15 cents, 22.33, and Bitcoin futures. Let's call them flat at 43,280. Let's bring in Aaron and Triple D here on the hop. And gentlemen, we got a lot to discuss today. I guess, uh, I guess we'll start with the regional banks, uh, NYCB all over the place. Yeah, so you had this stock get absolutely crushed yesterday, closed down 22%. You had a Moody's downgrade come in, move the stock lower, and then a couple more downgrades came in. But instead of, of, of going lower from there, traders decided, no, we're going to go ahead and buy this. Let me pull up a chart on the five minute. And you can see what's been going on this morning. Uh, and, and looks like we, we popped off and now selling off again. So multiple headlines here. So you get the Moody's downgrade last night. And you get obviously multiple downgrades overnight. The stock ticked under three dollars and fifty cents. I saw three fifty last night. Is that what you saw too, Joel? Uh yeah, the after hours low. Yep, three fifty, right on three fifty. Right so we were down another seventy cents on a four dollar stock. So I don't know what the math down another fifteen, sixteen percent or whatever that adds up to. Um, so it was really ugly last night. And it looked like, man, we're gonna come in here, have a really ugly day for the banks, really ugly day for the regional banks. KRE was getting smacked last night, getting smacked again this morning. And then about 30 minutes ago, um, NYCB came out with a headline, and this was the game changer here: is they're appointing Alessandro Danello as executive chairman effective immediately. I believe, and I'm not 100%, but I believe this person came from Flagstar, which, you, like you said, Joel, is the, um, you know, this is where NYCB came from if we go way back. So they are bringing back, or I don't know if, if, if Alessandro was ever there um, originally, because I don't know the story here, but um, they're coming in with some guns here, obviously trying to save this bank, because when you're seeing a stock go from 10 to 6, to 350 moody's downgrading you're like holy crap could this bank fail so they're coming in with a new executive chairman effective immediately to come in and try to save this bank that's why it's popping it's popping on hope that maybe this executive chairman can make a difference we are coming off those highs unfortunately um 8 30 eastern they're going to have a conference call so in 30 minutes 24 minutes from from right now 
they're gonna have a conference call discussing these changes so lots to chew on here if you're watching the regional bank story uh the flagstar bank the good purchase right uh helped to stock out the transition this was a while ago flagstar uh Midwest Bank, uh, but they got a little bit greedy, right? Uh, they got the assets from, I believe, from SIVB. They took on more assets, got in a little bit over their sense. head here. And then, yep. and, and then, and now, where are the assets they got from SIVB? They're, uh, you know, some big buildings in, in New York City and commercial properties. So the question is, is where's the mark on these things? They're, they're trying to go to the market here. If they need to unload yeah. some of these loans, Where's the market going to be? What, where, you know, what is the true value? So, boy, it's straight, it's bouncing around like a it's ball. really bad. Yeah. A lot Can you of bring fun. up a chart of it, Joe. I'll bring up the chart. Yeah, I'll, I'll bring up the chart. Speak. I was just going to say from this press release, real quick, it does look like Danello uh, has been with the company as a non executive chairman of the board since December 2022 after the Flagstar Bank acquisition. Uh, and now they're just kind of adjusting his role instead of being the non-executive yeah. chairman of the board to be the executive chairman of the board. So I don't know, uh, just that slight language change there. Um, I mean, you're seeing this again. We got all the way up to around $5, selling off again now back below 450 Yeah, wild. And we've got the call starting in 22 minutes. So, I mean, we'll the be all is going to make it more wild. What are they going to say on the call? You know what they're going to say. They're going to come in and say liquidity is sound. You know, we're okay. Because that's what they always say. And when they say that, and they have to say that. It means it's probably usually the opposite. But again, so just explaining people who don't understand, you know, liquidity and banks, um, you know, not that I'm a banking expert, but I got the gist of it. My wife used to be a banker. Um, it's all built on confidence. Banking system is all built on confidence because you have short-term deposits and then you, they, so a lot of majority of banks are borrowing short and lending long. They can't just all of a sudden, you know, call in these mortgages. Hey, we need some money. We need you to pay more of your mortgage off. So if you have short-term demand, meaning the depositors come in and say, Hey, give me my money. I'm not comfortable here. They can meet those to a certain extent after so long. Like, let's say you get up to 10% of depositors, 15% of depositors, 20% of depositors come in and say, give me my money now. Then you have a liquidity crunch where they don't have that money now because they've lent it out for the next 30 years in some cases to, you know, Joe Guy over there at 3% for his mortgage. So, I mean, this is the issue that's plaguing all these regional banks is they obviously borrow short to us to, for the most part. And they lend very long. So it's a mismatch in maturities that's really, you know, the danger here. So the danger, it's fine if nobody asks for their money. But if people start going in and saying, I see what's happening in the stock, I'm uncomfortable here, I want my money, then you can get into a situation where you could have a bank run and that's where a bank can fail. Uh, the other thing, too, is that they were a smaller regional bank and then they picked up those assets and now they're in a larger category. So they're, they're, you know, their quote, you know, their credit line or what they need to cover their credit is ballooned. And uh, that that's running into the problem, but right now trading uh, up 32 cents at uh four of course, you'd be on the, uh, the, the call at eight 30 will yeah. have an impact. Just see how it shakes out today. I mean, they, the one thing you have to worry about if you're picking it up here is that there's a lot of overhead supply here. This thing was uh, at seven. I mean, you look at the end of last week, this thing was over 
over 10 bucks. So you have your shorter term traders just coming in for scalps. They don't care if it goes back to five. They don't care if it goes back to six. They don't care if it goes back to seven. Uh, you know what? They're, they're looking to book small profits. So uh, we'll see if pre-market low is a ways away. It seemed to have found a bid after uh, finding that new executive. But uh, And you hope it stabilizes. Like, we don't want to see another banking crisis here. We don't want to see. And, you know, people saying, oh, it's only 1% of the KRE. Who cares? Because it's the it's a contagion effect here where you have a bank fail. And it's like, oh, we saw this back in March of last year. And then they worry about this bank. And then they worry, well, am I safe over in this one? Am I safe over in this one? And all of a sudden. You know, you have a situation where, you know, the, none of these banks are as safe as they were before. That's what you don't want to see happen. So good that it's bouncing here this morning. Would have been bad to come in and this thing is at like 250 because of the, you know, booty's um, downgrade. And we're wondering, you know, how many days it has left to survive. So it's, it's nice that it's seeing a relief rally here. It's nice that they're identifying that they needed to do something. We'll have to wait and see what they say on this conference call. Chat, obviously, we're doing a live show here. So we will, um, you know, we lean on the chat too. If anybody wants to listen to that conference call, it'd be great to get some info from that as well. Final note, final note. There's other rating agencies besides Moody's. And that's what we saw with some of the other banks, like the Moody's comes in and then, uh, you know, uh, S&P or the other companies come in. Moody's made the first move. But that's one thing that you got to be cognizant of is that there could be other downgrades coming down the Didn't road. The, remember the whole market traded down off Moody's downgrading the U.S. like credit outlook yeah, last year? It's and, ridiculous and, 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 that and, and, we lean on these ratings, Aaron, as much as, you know, like that we, we, we care. And take it back to the financial crisis here. Like, I mean, all these ratings companies got it all dead wrong. You know, they were like, oh, yeah, we have, you know, all these subprime mortgages, triple A, you know, oh, like okay. these, you know, remember, you remember it was all, they had all the subprime mortgages and all these other, you know, packaged up, you know, and I'm butchering it here. But I mean, the ratings agency has had it all wrong in the financial crisis and they were partially responsible for it. So now we look, you know, and you sit here and you're like, hey, you're leaning on what they say here, but they did a pretty dang bad job during the financial crisis. Yeah, Bear Stearns is sound. Yeah, you know, um, Lehman Brothers is sound. And then, you know, a month later, Lehman Brothers is, is failed. And Bear Stearns had to get bought out, we you know, for $2 from JP Morgan. So, I mean, just, you know, the, leaning on other people's opinions is just, you know, again, you have to respect it because they move price. But just saying, oh, well, Moody's is, you know, saying this. So I'm going to buy this or sell this because of that. I think it's just a tough game. Well, speaking of selling this and opinions, Snapchat reported earnings after the close yesterday and the market's opinion on it, pretty clear. They didn't like it. Uh, it is The stock is down 30% pre-market. This is after the stock traded higher into the earnings. Uh, let's go through some of the numbers. So the EPS beat by two cents. Revenue came in at $1.36 billion, missed by $20 million. Uh, some decent user growth, but again, that revenue miss was the big number that the market was looking at. Uh, Snapchat is kind of in that boat that Meta was in. I mean, I'm talking about Facebook way back in the day where it had all these users, but couldn't monetize its user base well. So the market is uh, punishing the stock this morning. You're seeing some wow. other social media stocks like Pinterest trade lower as well. And obviously, Meta set the bar very high for right. these two companies because Meta just absolutely blew it away. And you're like, oh, maybe all these social media companies are just killing it, you know, kicking ass and taking names. Obviously not the case. Snap, you know, was there 10% year over year, increased DAUs. That's good. You know, the revenue is kind of there. But, you know, it's $0.08 cents versus $0.06. Cents. I mean, 
a slight miss on revenue. Actually, you're right, 1.36 versus 1.38. I mean, Meta just destroyed. Yeah, and some cautious. I should, I should, I should mention some cautious guidance from Snap as well. It's another company like we saw from McDonald's that's citing headwinds from the war in the Middle East, which. I mean, you know, it's it's one. I guess it's just when you have all these companies reporting and beating, and everyone's dealing with the same, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. geopolitical climate. Then I'm not, you know, I don't know how much more Snap is impacted by this war in the Middle East than Meta is. Uh, but one stock had a great quarter, and one stock didn't, and one stock gave good guidance, and the other stock didn't. So, uh, you know, again, I mean, like you said, Dennis, just the expectations were high for Snapchat. We talked the other day about how they switched yeah. the order on this, where on Snapchat used to report a couple days before Meta and would actually move Meta, move uh, Pinterest, Google. and Google because it's the ad revenue sales is the number that the, the market is looking at. And, uh, you know, the expectation is that, okay, if one company had strong ad sales, then that must mean all the social media companies had strong ad sales. As we've seen, that's not the case. All right, so uh, technically, I mean, you see it's down five, uh, over $5. That's 30%. I mean, just look at the way this traded, way it, the way it traded immediately. There, there's a very patient buyer here at 12 bucks and under. Whether they're going to be there in the regular session, whether they're going to I gonna think it's pay- Dan Nathan. <laughs> I'm, that's a joke but is he, is he been bullied? oh he's this he's the snapchat guy he buys he's the most contrarian like if you watch cnbc's fast money he you always know kramer always goes with the flow dan nathan always goes exactly against it the stock's down 30 percent. he likes it stock's up 30 percent. he thinks it's nuts so i mean he's always you know the opposite of momentum but anyways he said last night he actually did think wait a couple days and he says then buy snapchat tight so he's market always, yep Tight market. I'll just uh, be aware that you know if they're scooping it up under twelve, they might be selling it at twelve thirty one because that's been uh, that's been the high in the last two fifteen minute brackets. So uh, down down over five bucks. I think you have a patient buyer here. Can, uh, can we 12. show the uh, intraday chart here and not just like I'm looking? I'm just looking. And we're yeah, looking you want at a, fi- the, a five a five minute? Yeah, window? like we're still we're pretty much that's what we want to see because that's showing the real trading action. So I think you know for the most part these are the charts we're going to lean on here. Aaron is obviously it's nice to look at the ninety day get a feel for where the stock was, but then you know we're talking about the pre market action. So let's show that pre market action and it is ugly. Yeah, and I mean, so one thing with Snapchat, it does have a younger user base than, uh, you know, most social media companies. And a lot of companies like having a young user base because they're like, okay, well, if we have an 18-year-old customer, they're going to spend money with us for 60 years versus uh, a 50-year-old that might not be around for that long. But for Snapchat, I worry that they're younger, that their that their user base is too young. That yeah, advertise- no money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Advertisers are showing it. I saw an ad, Dennis, the other day on Snapchat for Vision Pro. Now, mind you, like the only people I have on Snapchat are age 26 and younger. I don't know a single person that's got, you know, $3,500 extra hanging around to buy a Vision Pro. So I think there's probably a lot of companies that buy the ads on Snapchat and then realize, oh, we're not getting a lot of conversion here. So they go with other companies. Uh, and, and even YouTube and like my kids. So I never knew, you know, I don't know how to work the TV as much, but, you know, they watch YouTube and. They're like, why do you watch the commercials? Just go look like this. And they like press three buttons that go back over. And like, there's like a, a control, like you, you, you often they give you the little skip button in the corner, but they know a way to skip the skip. So when they don't <laughs> give you the skip button, they, they, they literally get off the commercial in one second. It's like, if you have a mandatory commercial 30 seconds, my kids have figured out a way and they're six and nine to get around that commercial. The kids are smart and kids are not tolerable to commercials because me and Joel 
grew up tv you know you got your five minute commercial then you get back to your 15 minutes of your show then you got your five minute commercial kids nowadays are not tolerable to commercials whatsoever they absolutely hate them so i don't even think i think they just have ways so i think conversion's an issue i think advertising to the younger generation is an issue here but you know those are bigger picture stuff the the bottom line is snapchat though is getting tiktok to death you talked about you know it's tiktok tiktok and Meta's found, you know, different avenues, different paths. You know, they use, obviously, they got Instagram. They got a lot of other things going on there. But Snap is getting TikToked. It's going to be interest. Pinterest reports people are asking about it on Thursday. So what does this do now? You had Meta kill it. Snap, you know, laid an egg here. So it puts Pinterest kind of in the middle. Pinterest is pulling back here this morning on the Snapchat. is down 3% here. But does this mean that Snap just set the bar a little bit lower for Pinterest? Maybe. I mean, if I'm Pinterest, I'm pretty happy that I didn't report right after Meta. I'm pretty happy that I report after a disappointing snap quarter. Yeah, a little bit easier to follow there. And uh, yeah, it sounds like, Dennis, you've got some walk-in ad blockers around your house. So congratulations. Oh my gosh, there. these kids. They're uh, impressive. Let, let's go to another company that reported after the close yesterday. Ford, of course, uh, one of our, our, our biggest companies here in Detroit. Uh, let's go to the numbers real quick. Strong quarter, and you've got some news on the dividend as well, driving the stock higher. So uh, EPS came in at $0.29, cents, crushed the $0.13 cent estimate. Uh, sales numbers came in at, let's see, $46 billion uh, versus $39 billion estimate. So, you know, both double beat strong quarter. And the, and the company also talked about reining back some of its EV investments, saying it's going to be able to increase capital efficiency. Uh, again, declared a 15 cent regular uh, dividend, 18 cent supplemental dividend. Investors love this. The stock is trading up <clears throat> more than uh, 5% pre market after closing up more than 4% yesterday. Yeah, impressive moves here. I've had this story wrong. I keep thinking, you know, 2024 and maybe it's coming, but I keep thinking people aren't going to have the money to buy cars, but they're finding the money, you know, and it's enough, you know, where we've got to just analyze and say, look, you know, we've expected people to curtail their spending to a certain extent that has not happened. It has not happened in the economy. It hasn't happened in anything. So if you're sitting here waiting for the Great Recession, it hasn't occurred, and it does look like they have you know, navigated a soft landing. It could still. Maybe the effects are still delayed. Maybe the higher rates for longer. But now we're talking about lowering rates. So if you're sitting here saying, I'm short stocks, eventually we're going down, I think that ship has sailed. I mean, the, you know, obviously, we've run a long ways, and there's pockets of irrational exuberance maybe. But for the most part here, Stocks aren't really crazy valued. I know there's these comparisons that were in 1999, and this is the big tech bubble. We've done those comparisons, you know, looking at different PEs of stocks. The market is not crazy expensive here. It's expensive, but Microsoft isn't trading 90 times earnings. That's where it was during the tech bubble. You know, it's trading 34 times earnings. Sounds expensive when it was trading at 24 times earnings a year ago, but that's you know it's it's not like it was back in the t- tech bubble. So it's, there's catalyst, there's catalyst, and then there's sneaky catalyst. And sure, you know what the sneaky catalyst for Ford's been? What? The Lions. Oh, there you go. I've been thinking about that the whole like the, during the whole season. You know, like people, you know, the Lions, the Fords own the Lions. A little bit of a sneaky catalyst there. Uh, do you go out and buy the stock based on how a football team is doing? No, but. If they were in the Super Bowl, it would probably be 13 bad. But mentioning $13 here, man, it's got to be a boatload of size at 13. They got to fulfill the book. We closed yesterday at 1210. 
There's probably a boatload of size there uh, at, at $13 where they open the stock. Pre-market high comes in at $12.90. But just the only the word of caution here, and I, and I wish I would have stated it yesterday. You know the way that Palantir was trading up, and yeah, there, there was a big number there. Just nice. the mentality of the market you know, lately. I'm like, Hungry. you know I'm not standing, you know, that why why stand in front of this one? So if you know if you take out the sellers at 1290, 13 bucks, you get a $13 bid, but this is Ford. Okay. This is a lot of stock. So we'll see how it reacts off the open. You got a long ways to go to uh get to the top of yesterday's range at 1210. But uh keep an eye, keep an eye on 13 bucks here. That's a that's a big level for Ford. You know, and GM has kind of been leading the way on this one, right? GM's had a nice yep, order. Yep. Toyota. Yep. All the automotive companies. Toyota reported yesterday. We didn't get to that. It had a huge pop. I mean, all the automotive companies have really been proving it that, you know, we're still, and the valuations are so low on these things that if they can continue to make money even where they're at, these things are just dirt cheap. I keep thinking the E is going to start to come down and then they're not going to look as cheap, but that has not happened. You know, we have not seen people. You know, people spend, people are spending money and people are finding ways to buy cars and maybe they're finding the financing a lot cheaper. Like I look at financing on cars and it looks like seven and a half, eight percent. And, and, but again, you know, maybe there's finding ways people are saying there's 5% financing, you know, some of their, you know, maybe incentives are out there to try to bring those numbers down. They're finding ways to sell cars. Well, I mean, how do you guys trade these these car stocks? Because these aren't ones for me that I want to hold in my long-term portfolio just because the growth story isn't there for me. I mean, you can, how many cars can you sell, right? If, if, if Toyota's stock is down and I think it's at a good value, I could put it in my long-term portfolio and, and try to make, you know, like 20% over it. But it's not a stock that I think is going to 10x over time. So maybe just trading it on like swing trade when they get too beat up, buy them, when they, you know, start ripping, sell them. I mean, do you guys trade these? Yeah, I trade them uh, against each other. You know, I trade okay. forward with GM and Toyota. And you look at the trends. Like it, it's predictable that when GM beat it pretty handily, that Ford's probably going to beat it pretty handily. And I mean, if you're long going into that report, if you had the guts to do it, you're making some money. It's probably predictable that Toyota was going to do pretty good. And Toyota did the same thing. So just getting that lead from other, you know, stocks like other companies here helps you to, to trade these and day trade these. Are they long-term investments? I mean, Ford and GM have been very poor long-term investments. So, you know, not, not you know, dissing the whole auto sector here, but, you know, we've had bankruptcy with GM, a reorg. Ford did not. Ford got all the way down, remember, to a buck. They a buck. never they really given... diluted themselves or anything. Yep. They, they were the one that kind of made it through it. And, you know, obviously it's come a long ways back from there. But, I mean, go back to the long, long term here, Joel. I mean, what is the all-time high in Ford? Oh. It's kind of like feels like the banks to a certain extent, although – Forty dollars in nineteen. Forty dollars in what year? Yeah, they, they, nineteen ninety nine. But they they, so, they just spun twenty five years. Out. What? They 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 had um they had a credit uh uh facility that they spun off. So that uh, you probably I can't think of AFS Jay Rice. Someone help me out with the chat here. But I just I want to make one comment here on the earnings. Well, first of all, being a contrarian. Remember when these stocks were hated during the strikes? Like, oh, oh my gosh, God, we yeah. got to get out of these. You know, this people thought they it. were going out of business. Yep, as if the, as if there had never been strikes before against the auto companies. What I mean. makes me cautious here a little bit is I know the wages have gone up, right, for the employees and the expenses, 
but has it filtered its way all the way through, you know, the balance sheet, right? So when is that going to hit? Is that going to be next quarter? I'm not an accountant. I don't know, but there are higher, you know, they are paying higher wages, whether you're looking at, you know, Q4, right? That was the end of last year. We'll see what Q1. So, uh, but technically, let's just keep an eye. It seems well bid up here, trading a lot of volume. A uh, big day for Ford, uh, up 5.63%. To yeah, answer Aaron's question, though, I was just trying to do the long term. And, you know, you can say what spun something off. But these have, there's no doubt that GM and Ford have been very poor long-term investments. And, I mean, results speak for themselves here. So, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, Aaron. I don't think these are the companies that are going to drive, pun kind of intended, drive the next bull market here that's you know, good that's why you know when i made nasa the acronym there was no car company in there you know right. i was going after the ai story the weight loss story like i mean what's the story going to drive is it's cars you know hybrids that's going to drive the next you know i thought ev but ev seems to be just on the back burner all they're talking about now is hybrid joel they're not talking about evs anymore toyota's talking hybrids and you know hybrid technology has been out there for a long time i had 2008 mariner that was hybrid so, I mean, you're talking 15 years, but that's Little where they're manner. leaning back to is the hybrid as opposed to going full EV. So that's why the lithium stocks have really been just a disaster. Yeah, and I do wonder, I mean, if that gives Toyota a leg up because Toyota out, out or against all the other car companies has kind of been a, 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 you know, ahead of that and been investing just in, in hybrids and not full on EVs over the past three years. So they don't have to cut back on a lot of their yeah, EV spending because they weren't really spending that much on EV in the first place compared to Ford and some of these other yeah. ones. Um, but all right, let's move on to another company that reported earnings. Yes, we got so many earnings reports, so we probably won't even get to all of them, but throw some in the chat if you You've got uh, ones that you were watching yesterday. Sure. Enphase Energy. We were just talking about how clean tech names had been struggling. Uh, Enphase. I, I don't. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to understand this report because it doesn't look that amazing to me. But the stock is up 17. Uh, yeah. EPS came in at 54 cents, missed by one cent. Revenue revenue came in at 302 million, missed by 25 million. So you have a slight miss on both revenue and EPS. And the guidance is light. And the guidance is is below the expectation too. I was just going to say that Dennis, uh, they expect revenue of 260 to 300 million against the estimates of 320 in Q1, and the stock's up 18. percent So I guess people thought it was going to be worse than it was. Yeah. I think so. And the stock is just so beat up. Like we've talked about yesterday, we're talking about how beat up the tan is how beat up these stocks are when they're that beat up is you know people are looking for reasons to buy people are looking for reasons and there's people short these things and saying it's going a lot down so you're screwing the shorts right over and you can look at short interest you can look at all those metrics it's more just you know short-term traders thinking yeah it's gonna be a bad report wasn't a great report and then they just rally it in their face you can grab those short-term traders too i mean on the initial report here joel i believe this stock actually went down I saw ENPH tick into the red. Am I correct here, Let's Aaron? See. I believe it yeah. did. Close one double, here. yeah, one double oh fifty one, and yeah, so uh, yeah, where did it dip to? Looks like that's a ninety two dollars. Yeah, so that's all the way down. So you here. screwed everyone that said this was a bad report, and this market likes to just punish the maximum participants. You got to be careful shorting stocks that are just destroyed because they have these rip roaring rallies. We've seen this before. <laughs> And then they start to leak. And then, you know, you look at them three months later and they usually back down to the lows. But it's not easy to shorten stocks. Like, like short it and forget it. Some of these things are very painful. You know, and there you go. You're shorting $95 last night saying this is a, not a great report. And then, boom, 
stock's at $118 and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm dead. Yeah, I had a buddy the other day that was like, I want to buy some puts on Peloton. I was like, you want to buy a puts on Peloton now? It's already down 97%. <laughs> where, 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 where were you, you know, a year ago? Yeah. Uh, but he's Where were that, you two years ago? Where were you even two months ago? Yeah, I mean, he was saying he and, thinks it's going And to... again, when we were talking about it, Peloton, and everybody's saying, well, you know, Gene made the case, you know, about it getting bought out. And the stock popped over $7 on that. I said on this show, I don't believe anybody's going to buy Peloton. I think this is another selling opportunity. The stock is now at four. So I've been proven correct once again to stay bearish Peloton. Doesn't mean I'm shorting it and buying puts at four dollars, though. I mean, shorting stocks under five dollars is just usually Asking a bad idea altogether. Yep. Uh, because they have reward. these wicked right. rallies sometimes yep. that yep. really shake you out. I got one number for you, Dennis. You like one number uh, in uh, ENPH, and your high for the year is one nineteen sixty-five. Uh, we have not hit that yet in pre-market trading. Steady bid up here, so one nineteen sixty-five would be a new high uh, for the year. One twenty psychological Impressive. number. Uh, Wait, Joel, can I know. ask you a stupid question? Yes. No stupid question. It depends there. on how stupid. <laughs> uh, when you say for the year, are you talking about the last twelve months? Or are you talking about year to date? Uh, year to date. Okay, so for the year, the highest. Yeah, season. I would say fifty-two week high. Okay, okay. Maybe there's someone else. So maybe there's someone else question, in the audience. Yeah, no, good no, clarification. no. Yeah, there's no stupid question on pre-market prep, Aaron. Every question is a good uh, question. I'll, try just, to pr I'll prove you wrong at some point. No, <laughs> no, and also I people in the questions. chat too. I mean, we use uh, different terms, you know, lingo that you know we know and being in the markets for a long time, but. You got a question or something, just pop it in. That, that's what we're here for. So uh, just real quick, the other solars here. First solar, I assume, is getting a little bit of a pop off this. That's up six bucks. Uh, yeah. yeah, SEDG is yep. up 10%. It's your pure, it's your run, pure pair. Run up 5%. Wait, which one Which one did you give? SEDG. Those oh, two solar pair edge. very well together. I pair trade those two with each other, SEDG and ENPH. If you look at the charts, they look very much the same. So the the even the algos, some of them are just so closely related. Even the algos pair trade those things. The Solar Edge had the big drop a few a week ago from the. I know. They just I mean, and again, this, this is just ENPH driven here. It's up seven bucks here, and people are saying maybe the bottom's in. Maybe this is as bad as it gets. Maybe we're at the top of the rate cycle. Who's to argue with that? I mean, again, I've said if rates can actually start going down, these companies will be buys now. They just go up overnight, you know, on an earnings report that wasn't that great. I don't think I'm chasing them here, but yeah, you get back down to those lows. If rates actually start going down, that's when you start looking at these things. But there was no reason to own any solar stocks as long as the rates, you know, were high. Rates are still high. I still think these are no touch for my long-term portfolio. I think these are rallies that are probably going to be met with more sellers. But the lot of shorts in there, people are getting squeezed today. So yeah, you're. I mean, if 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 I'm gonna go out and buy solar stocks today, is gonna depend on what a regional bank from New York is doing. Because if the bank <laughs> starts too. trading down more, good then point. The, now you're thinking. Then that now means you think. that rate hikes are back on the table, and I'm gonna go buy solar stocks. So this is why you guys gotta tune into this free market. The, right? Yeah, that's the market. Um, I'm with you. All right, we've got time for one more quick earnings before we bring on our esteemed guest of the day. Martha Stokes from Trader will be coming on with us in two minutes. Chipotle, I guess, you know, the, the higher burrito costs aren't aren't uh, scaring off customers. Chipotle still selling. Uh, stock trading up 
about 3%. Let's pull up those numbers here in our trusty Benzinga Pro. EPS, I mean, these EPS numbers are crazy. The stock is just so big. EPS came in at uh, 1036, beat by 63 cents. Revenue came in at $2.5 billion, beat by $30 million. Chipotle, one of the companies that has been able to pass off any any uh, increase in input costs to its customers, saying, hey, here's, here's the inflation. We're not going to handle it. You guys are. Uh, I mean, this stock is just a monster. I'm waiting for a split. I don't know about you guys. They know. I don't know. They don't like to do that though. So they're just like the huge stock price. So I don't think a split is imminent here. Although that would be another catalyst for the stock to really go high is if, you know, did, you did get a stock split. I mean, this has just been an unbelievable performer. It's another example of the strong get stronger, the weak get weaker. You know, obviously we saw a reversal of that yesterday. So I would be somewhat concerned. You know, I would just say, and again, I get Chipotle always wrong, so probably take that. But you know, the Lily reversal yesterday, Joel, the reversal on some of the Momo stuff. I just wonder if like there won't be some profit taking on this. People looking, you know, like Lily had a pretty good numbers talking, and you know they reversed that thing and ended up closing red. I think we're kind of in the people are in a little bit of book the profits mode here right now on some of these big Momo names. Nvidia obviously has some CI had rough days. Um, they did bounce back towards the end of the day. I think you might see some profit takers coming here after the open. 2586 is where it got to on the initial pop, and there was some good volume there. So you backed off that right now, hanging out at 2560. The only number I could give you is that after our, or excuse me, pre market high. All right, it is 8.35 a.m. Eastern. Let's go ahead and uh, let's give Martha our very special Benzinga pre-market prep welcome. And when we come back, uh, we'll be hearing some thoughts. that we, we don't talk about dark pools a lot on the show, but we'll be hearing uh, Martha's thoughts on that as well as some other interesting topics. So without further ado, let's give Martha that intro and see what she's been watching. All right, Martha Stokes from Technotrader. Welcome to Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. How are you this morning? I'm great, thank you. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for asking. So before we get started, you want to just give our audience a brief introduction and uh, you know who you are and what you do? Uh, for the past 26 years, after I retired in my late 30s, I have been with my partner, uh, business partner, working on trying to help the retail side understand the professional side. What we have is a huge anomaly that most people are not aware of. Uh, you're talking retail. I was listening. It's very interesting and very exciting to listen to all of you. But uh, the retail side is what you are representing and what you're talking about and their reactions to the market and how they're trading it and what they're looking at and what they're looking at. But they only count 20% of the market activity. The dark pools account for 80% of the market activity. And so I'm trying to introduce to a lot of retail investors and traders the opportunity to really get to know what's going on with the dark pools and the 80% of what's going on in the market that you never hear about. It's never in retail news. You don't know about these people, but they are accounting for 100 trillion dollars of assets under management. The buy side institutions are dominant now. It used to be the sell side institutions, the big banks, but no longer. That's been gone since 2008. And your buy side institutions, you need to learn about so that you can trade with them, invest with them and make more profit. So before we get into it, do you mind just describing what the dark pool is to some of our audience that may not be familiar? Okay. 
uh, when they went to the decimals in 2002 and the uh, SOS bandits switched to HFTs, high frequency trading activity, the uh, buy side institutions are the giant mutual funds, the giant pension funds that manage the Fortune 500 and Fortune 1000 companies. These are your companies that invest long term. They're also now the ETF developers and ETFs have just gone off ballistic as far as the opportunities for a lot of people. Short term trading, long term investing is a big, big area of the market that is expanding very rapidly. The buy side institutions control that vast pool of wealth of the middle class of America. And that is very important because it's huge. And so they went to the SEC and said, we do not want to be front run anymore by high frequency traders. We've had it. We are long term investors. We get in. We are responsible for the middle class of America. And SEC said, great, you can go and develop alternative trading system venues. This is an off exchange peer to peer group. Uh, the, there's a New York Stock Exchange has a a dark pool, NASDAQ has a dark pool. Uh, there's 50 different ATS venues out there. And 80% of all the market activity, $300 billion every day, the majority of it is in the dark pools. That is not available to most retail investors, except if you learn to figure out how they show up on the stock charts because they trade on the penny. They do not move price. So you want to get in with them when they're accumulating and when they're starting to rotate, you want to consider exiting if you're long-term, if you're short-term trading, pro traders, professional traders, which is a growing group, they get in when they see the dark pool buy zones is what I call them. They're buy zones that there's a price range that they're quietly accumulating. If it goes above it, they stop. If it drops below, they stop. But then if it goes too far, then they'll buy because it's a bargain price for what their range is. It's all uh, very consistent. So you need to learn about this because it's the vast majority of what's going on. And we're talking about earnings seasons. And what's happening in the market is all retail side. The dark pools are already into quarter one of 2024. What Got they're it. looking at is after these earnings are done, where are the fundamental values? Can they continue to increase and add more to their portfolios? Or should they start rotating out of the stock because it's maxed out its growth? And that's what we want to see because that can help you make more money in the market. Uh, I know another thing outside of the dark pool that you've been watching, uh, Martha, are just market cycles. And I was wondering if we could talk a little bit about the different types of market cycles and maybe what kind of cycle we're in right now. Uh, we're in we're in a very interesting cycle. If I can share my screen with yeah, you. Yeah, of course. You should. Uh, that would be great. Uh, present. Yep. And then, uh, yeah, just right. click through there. You can uh, share by tab or by window. So you have a couple different options there. Okay. Let me see. My computer. And I want to. And while you're pulling that up, I'm going to just check in on NYCB over here. Uh, looks it's like going we're, down. Looks it's like we're coming down, down a little bit uh, back at 423 right Black, now. So. Yep. Unchanged. Conference calls on right now. It's it's leaking. I mean, look, if you bought this this morning with all this going on and now you're down on it, like I, I don't feel that bad for you, I don't think. <laughs> it's wild. But Mar but let's get Martha's screen. Has she been able to figure it out? Oh, I had it. I practiced it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll that. That's okay. That's okay. 
like go back before we switch over the cycles and why you're trying to do that in the background. I just got a question for you too. Like, so you're talking about dark pools and off exchange trading. How? What tools do you use to what see? What tools do trading? I use? Um, like, I use uh, I use the um, now I'm now this is a different. Okay, I use um, a TC two thousand for uh, explaining things to retail traders. I have I support all kinds of different. Uh, stock charts, but this one has the most interesting information that you can have. And it has a lot of information, like you can compare the stock price to the options price. You have cycle theory involved in, in that and that type of thing. So it's very, very interesting for people to, uh, to be able to follow. And it gives you, uh, it gives you an opportunity to see more activity than you would have in other aspects so um all right well martha if we can't get the screen share today then i'll i'll, I'll show you how we can do it yeah next so that next time you come on we'll we'll get the screen uh, exactly that's great. um well let's just go back i guess to the cycles real quick and i mean right. talking about where we're at right now i mean obviously this earnings season has been a big driver of of market activity over the past couple weeks um but outside of that i mean i think the market's a lot more bullish than most people expected into 2024 uh we expected it okay well yeah, I'm, not, I'm not saying you didn't i'm just saying that i think i think a lot of people didn't expect it uh no it was very it was very obvious we had a, a, a hyper uh peak in 2022 it was going to a top no uh, obvious there the catalyst of course was regional banks people panicked on that and the wars and things like that <laughs> Bottom in October of 2023. Okay, we've got a bottom. We've got a nice deep trough on all of the three major indexes and most stock charts and the sector charts and the index charts and the industry charts. Okay, this thing is going to go up. It crosses the center line, which I would like to show you sometime later. And now we're um, oh, a third of the way up. If you looked at 2022 cycle peak, the deviation was extreme and we're nowhere near close that. So are you, about the over, are you talking about the overall market here? What are we looking at? Yeah, we're looking Five. at, well, I have a cycle theory. I have a cycle um, oscillator. Okay. That removes the trends so I can see the cycles um, and you don't have that. But anyways, um, we started a new bull market and what drives the bull market guys? What, what drives the bull market? Uh, buyers. No, I don't know. New technology. New technology is what drives all of the big long-term bull markets. So we had the, uh, in the twenties, we had the electricity and we had all the uh, little uh, household automation, uh, electric mixers and toasters and all that thing. It was a huge driving force. The main catalyst behind it was ele uh, electricity. In uh, the 1990s, we had another great bull market and we had six major uh, new industry, semiconductors, PC computers, software, blah, blah, blah. We have 20 now. It's the largest I've ever seen. And I've checked all the way back uh, 100 years. It's the largest number of new technologies coming to market. Uh, some are just at R&D. Some are at market introduction. Some are market acceptance. AI is at mass market acceptance. Uh, so it's leading, but we have hyper automation of IT departments for major corporations. Nobody knows about that, but it's making a killing for some companies. And so new technology drives the bull market. 
There's what are these other new technologies, Martha? So I know you just gave us a couple. Like obviously, we're talking AI, and the market is talking AI. What are the technologies that the market's not talking about that are going to be the next big cycle movers? Well, we ahead still of have that, hyper automation, which is helping people, companies like IBM and things like that. We have uh, we have robots and robotics. We still have eight million job openings, and companies can't find anybody to fill it. They also have been raising, uh, they had to raise their payroll costs and payroll costs are a huge factor in what you get as far as earnings. So the alternative for corporations is they have to find ways to cut costs, increase productivity. And so there's going to be a huge surge of robots and robotics that are going on. They're already starting to slide these in quietly and layoffs because they they can have robots do the work. Robots don't require retirement funds. They don't require uh, benefits, so healthcare, uh, and they don't ask for raises. <laughs> so, so, uh, so do you think like the humanoid aspect here that they're talking? Like Tesla's working on humanoids, Boston Dynamics working on humanoids. There's a number of other smaller. That's further ahead. On. That's further that, ahead. What that, you want to be looking at, at is industrial robots and robotics. And uh, the manufacturing companies that are coming back to the U.S., the U.S. is no longer outsourcing all of its manufacturing. Everybody's bringing it back home. Everybody's excited. Oh, we're going to have so many more jobs here. Uh, there's manufacturing plants that are now being manufactured uh, that manufacture everything. And there's just one person running hundreds of robots and robotics and just monitoring it. That's the future. And there's a lot of companies that are in manufacturing of robots. It's just hard because we don't have a robots, robotics industry yet. It's scattered among diversified industrials and such like that. So you have to really start digging. And that's what I do. I start digging, okay, where are they? Where are the new technology companies? Where are they going to? Um, machine learning is still a very important part of the aspect because uh, AI can't do math. <laughs> So, Martha, before we let you go, I just want to, uh, you know, you mentioned the cycles and I just wanted to pull in, you know, we've had a very unusual cycle over the last four years, right? Since the pandemic, uh, a lot of people are looking at this market going into an election year. Uh, so just, you know, to wrap things up, looking at the pandemic, look at the downturn in the market, look at the rebound coming into an election here. I mean, no resistance in sight. Uh, where you at on on the longevity of this bull market? Uh, the bull market will have corrections and retracements. They always do. They have to. There's speculation in the market, so a lot of price stocks are way beyond their fundamentals, and they'll have to fall back to their fundamentals until those fundamentals improve. But the long-term bull market will probably be uh, uh, probably be much longer than the 1990s bull market because there'll be a new technology and a new technology. You also have to understand that pandemics destroy cycles. And a lot of economists and a lot of experts and even the Federal Reserve Bank are taking an evaluation based on what used to happen. And you can't do that. So a lot of them are wrong, in my opinion, my humble opinion, because those cycles don't exist anymore. So we have to change our whole uh, assembly of what barometers we check to make it to see what's going to go happen and try to project and have high probability, not predictive. I don't predict, but high probability of where you need to go with investments or trading. All right. Well, we've been on the line with Martha Stokes again, CMT from Technotrader. If you guys want 
to try to make that transition from a retail trader to a more semi-professional, scan that QR code in the bottom of the screen or hit the link in the description. Martha, thanks for joining us on today's pre-market prep. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks, Martha. Uh all right, guys, we've got about 10 more minutes of the show left, and we've still got some more topics to hit on. Let's pull up Alibaba, ticker BABA. And this yeah. is another one of those stocks where we had a nice little reversal wow. this morning. Wow. Wow. Uh, company reported earnings announced a $25 billion stock buyback. Uh, and the company, I mean, Dennis and I were talking about it before the show, is a less than a $200 billion company, which means the buyback accounts for more than 10% of the valuation. And yet, uh, you had the stock pop right after it get up to about $82. And since then, trading off. Uh, revenue came in below expectations. So some, you know, some not great numbers. But 82.75 is where it got to. Okay, so uh, on the initial like buyback announcement. I mean, you got to just put it in perspective. Again, this is a stock that is very cheap. Now they're going to do buybacks, which is probably going to make the stock even cheaper from a PE perspective because you're bringing up those outstanding shares down. I mean, it's a stock that's done everything right. And if this stock, again, I've said it before, if this stock was in the U.S., it would be one of the biggest positions in my long-term portfolio. But it, unfortunately, it is not. Unfortunately, China stocks are extremely out of favor. There's a few that are in favor still. PDD obviously has had a pretty good year, but a lot of other ones have lagged. We know the reasons for that. You know, we don't know what she's thinking. We don't know, you know, the, how they're controlled over there. It's just different. China is just a different animal. And to, you know, our guests the other day talking about India, I mean, maybe just, you know, emerging markets have moved into other places and China has just been forgotten and left out. Obviously, China knows it because they were coming out last week and trying to defend their markets <laughs> and trying to figure out how to get their stock prices to go higher. But, you know, here you have an OK report with an extremely high buyback, a company that has always done pretty good, a company that has only brought up their earnings power throughout their year yet throughout their, the course of their existence. Yet the stock is on a near not even that far from all time lows. So I don't know what turns the story here around here, but it's unbelievable that, you know, you get a buyback of that size and the stock goes down on it. Yeah, I'm going to stick with my comment from yesterday. The $75 level just is sticking out to me. There's not, oh, you know, there were some previous highs there from uh, from uh, earlier or late January. So you're right. You're below it right now. 74.27 down 395. Uh I just got to, I got to see a sustained $75 bid. Will we get that today? Uh, that remains to be seen, but not too many stocks announce a buyback of that size and have a report like they had <laughs> traded and down tank. and then traded down 5% down four and, bucks. And, yeah. And 5% from the close, but it was $82 on the 82.75. So we're, we're talking stocks off nine bucks from where it was trading just higher here. So it goes to show you stocks that are in downtrends overall, you got to book the profits while you got them because these trends are pesky. I mean, again, we should have Brian Shannon on here sometime. Um, you know, maybe reach out because I talk to Brian, you know, and on Twitter all the time. He's a great follow and he's always just don't buy stocks and downtrends. I mean, he keeps his strategies very simple. He buys stock, he buys strength after the initial dip, you know, like not, you know, just looking to be the hero and saying, okay, well, it's gotten cheap enough. I'm just going to buy it. And that's why he's been a very successful trader for a long time. So I think Aaron maybe reached out or, you know, I could reach out here too, but he'd be a good one to bring on. And it just, it's just because it's the mentality of, you know, the retail trader, but not only even the institutional traders, you know, they're not as smart as we all think they are. And they come in here and, you know, they're all on valuation and, you know, it's just a tough game to call the bottom or to call the top. I mean, Everybody wants to short NVIDIA. 
and they want to buy Alibaba and they want to buy these things, you know, that are just going straight down. And it's tough to reverse these trends because there's bag holders all over the place. Joe, we always talk about overhead supply. I mean, there's just so much overhead supply in Alibaba because everybody that's bought this thing in the last 10 years is down money for the most part. So it's tricky and hard to get these trends to reverse. Just want to give one example where we talk about not striking on the first day Qualcomm last week. Oh, yeah. You remember it took that big hit. We talked about the 140 area on the day of the report. You tick 140.09, undercut and rally the next day, 139.26. Now you're back up here, traded 144.70. So that's just kind of emphasizing the point of, you know, you don't have to you know, strike immediately, or you can take part of a position. Sometimes you get the V bottom and, you know, you wish you would, you know, you're out there, but um, a lot of times you get a little stability and now you get, you know, you had a solid level uh, to lean on there at uh, the low of the move. Yeah. And the reaction is just telling me that people in the market aren't dying to own Baba right now, because if people were really ready to buy this and they wanted it in their portfolios, whether you're talking about institutional investors or retail, then they'd see something like the buyback as a reason to buy. And they wouldn't care as much about, you know, a slight revenue miss or some of this other stuff. But it seems like just the demand isn't there for the stock. Uh, Let's move over to Uber real quick. Uh, Trading at, oh, that's not Uber's chart. Let me Try to refresh the Benzinga Pro here real quick. Yeah. Uh Uber is at are we at all time highs in the in Yeah, the we stock? were. Wow. I believe so. Joel, uh, uh, go back like oh, way, yeah, yeah. Mm, going on. I'm pretty daily. sure we're all time yep. highs. Seven, uh, yeah, 7068 was your old time high yesterday. Your old time closing high. Uh I'll let you give the report in a second. Someone got real excited here. Uh, took it up to 73.50 and now you're back down. But uh, good levels now down a buck 57. Uh, let's see what happens at uh, the low uh, low from yesterday. Keep an eye. This could be a sneaky one. If you can hold that 68.44, the low from yesterday, maybe go up and challenge that old time closing high. Give us the numbers, Aaron. So we had uh, EPS came in at 66 cents, beat the estimates uh, by 49 cents. Revenue at 9.9 billion, beat by 140 million. Uh, And it seems like Uber is starting to kind of get on the right track in terms of being a profitable uh, company. The CEO terms it profitable growth at scale. So this was the big criticism of Uber for a while was, okay, the growth is great, but it just keeps losing money quarter over quarter over quarter. And then, you know, sometimes... Uh, I guess the what you're what you're hoping for with these growth stocks is that eventually they they come around and turn a profit, which it looks like Uber is doing. Uh, again, the stock getting rewarded and, and this here. is best of breed. I mean, Uber's best of breed. They're getting into other things. Obviously, you know, food delivery is a big part of their business here now, which Lyft has missed the boat completely on here um, with Uber Eats. That is, I mean, this stock's clearly in an uptrend. Clearly been strong. It's overdone. Needs a correction. The same with the NVIDIAs and the SMCIs. I mean, you know, there's a tale of two markets. The stocks have been going straight up, and then there's stocks that have been going straight down. And yesterday, we had a reversal of that. You know, these macro moves on an intraday basis drive all the smaller prices to a certain extent. Like, everybody and their grandma was like, why did Lily give it back yesterday? Why did Lily turn around and start tanking yesterday? You know why Lily turned around and started tanking yesterday? Because NVIDIA and SMCI fell off a cliff, and they were all the Momo trade. So it all went from Momo to value yesterday morning. Now, again, by the afternoon, that trade started to reverse itself, and you started to see some people coming in and you know and rebuying some of those Momo names that really got beat up. But I think we just got to you know keep in mind 
that it's just not that simple to just look at, you know, this specific company and look at these specific fundamentals and say, it's going to go here because of this. There's so many other factors. I'm telling you right now, NVIDIA and SMCI are driving Lily to a certain extent because they're that Momo trade. Lily goes from 650 to 750, SMCI ripping. They're like, oh yeah, Lily, you know, Kramer's putting in the Magnificent 7. People are thinking about it like that. While people book the gains because they were booking on SMCI and NVIDIA yesterday, and then Lily starts to sell off too. You don't think Lily has nothing to do fundamentally at all with NVIDIA and SMCI, but it's a Momo name. And Momo names all trade together. And understanding these relationships is how I make my living. Understanding these relationships, these new relationships that just got created four days ago. The algos aren't programmed for that stuff. The institutions don't even have a clue that relationship exists. So we can talk about, you know, like, you know, retail, but professional traders, which I am a professional trader, I'm a professional trader licensed for 24 years, you know, look at this stuff and these little intricate little new relationships, and then they extract alpha from that. So believe me, I mean, if all of a sudden NVIDIA and SMCI just, you know, go with certain direction here today, it will drag Lily around with it. Now, maybe not a month from now, but right now, Lily is a Momo name and it's grouped in with those stocks. Yeah, I mean, those companies all making, you know, new all-time highs yesterday and then reversing uh, in the day. We actually, we actually wrote about that, didn't we, yesterday, Joel? Uh, and, what is, and, and people in the chat just hate me sometimes. But what is Dennis talking? I'm talking about SMCI yesterday at one point in time was down $60, you know, from where it was. You know, it was over 700 actually. So it was down more than that. It was over 700 after hours because i watched the 24-hour markets it was over 700 dollars after hours. we won't see on the chart because it's intraday but it was over 700 there two nights ago and then it got down to 625 when they were just tanking in the morning don't kid yourself you know smci was going down 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 yesterday morning and video was going down 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 yesterday morning lily's a momo name so don't kid yourself it those charts put throw them on top of each other they look the same yeah, you can see they both were selling off at the same time. Uh, Lil right Lily didn't recover as well in the afternoon as NVIDIA and SMCI is. I think the story has been people want to own those AI stocks. People were piling into those, buying the dip in the afternoon. Real quick, one stock I did want to mention before we get off. I saw some people in the chat talking about it. Elf, E-L-F. This is a uh, a company in the cosmetic space, makeup brand that sells, you know, they're in all the drugstores, CVS, Walgreens, et cetera. So it's kind of your cheaper option compared to products you can get at Estee Lauder. Uh, and I mean, this chart, if you, I'm gonna pull up the daily chart. Uh, I know we, we want to stick to the five minutes, but just, let's just look at the daily here real quick has been just an insane. If you zoom out on this, I mean, this growth over the past two years in elf, the stock has gone from $35 in September, 2022 to 184 less than two years later. Uh, and let me, let me pull up the numbers of the report. Cause the company did report yesterday uh eps came in at 74 cents beat the 51 cent estimate sales came in at 270 beat the 230 million dollar estimate so this is one of those companies where the the share prices keep going up and people are saying oh it's too much too fast and then the company puts out numbers that justify that growth yeah. and look how fast we're growing uh so again i don't know if i'm chasing this up here but it looks like you know if the company keeps putting out earnings reports like this there's no reason uh, why buyers wouldn't keep coming in. 188. Yeah. Well, the, the reason would be to just be careful that we don't go into this profit-taking mode on some of these stocks. So again, just exactly what I just said, ELF sets up kind of the same way, kind of the same way what we saw with Uber, you know, with profit-taking happening there. So just be careful. I just don't think it's the market to chase these big gains in because one, Lily has me spooked. 
And I think there is some profit taking and people, everybody in ELF is out money. So people have that profit taking mentality going. It may, it may only last a day, Aaron, it may only last a couple days, but these things tend to last more than like a couple hours. There was some serious profit taking in some stocks yesterday. Just be careful because the stock gets $10 oh, and the report's great. All-time highs. I'm not chasing anything right now, though. We were in a chase market a few weeks ago. We're not in that market here right now. A little bit contrarian started yesterday, and it's been not working. But keep an eye on that. Uh, Jane Smith giving us some extra color in the chat. Elf sells a blush for $3. Estee Lauder, 33 So you have different you know, uh, demographics there. Must Joel, be some really good blush. Joel, you live with all <laughs> women. You live with all women. Why didn't you tell us about this stock? <laughs> <laughs> they don't wear a lot of makeup. Uh, I'm curious, guys, what you think. So, I mean, obviously, Elf, it's in the makeup space, not really, you know, like like breaking or cutting edge technology. It's not NVIDIA or something. What could have been signs for us like a year and a half ago that this growth that, you know, is it just their earnings report saying, oh, my God, look at this quarter over quarter growth? Or what could be things that point out, okay, there's an actual growth story here, even if they're not in an industry that you would necessarily associate with this type of growth? You're asking me? Yeah, I'm throwing it out there for you guys. It's a tough one. I, I mean, yeah, basically, I, I, I'm basically I, I, asking how we can identify 100% gainers. Come on, you got, you, this isn't easy. This, this should have been a Martha easy. question. She's this the is... one talking about the new technologies here. I'm talking about little 1% gainers in relationships. I've never been good. You know, I got, you know, the SMC, I got lucky with that one, really. I wanted the AI story and it took off. So now everybody's going to expect a new 100% gainer every month. That's not my style. My style is a little base hits, base so hits. Steady. I really so get those home runs. I would say the only catalyst, and I, I think I might have mentioned this yesterday, is you know people going back to work. Yeah, that's yeah, actually a good. You know that, that well, and, you know, and uh, ladies, you know, I mean, I guess when they work from home on Zoom calls, they want to use makeup, but that's really uh, that's because it hasn't. Uh, Estee Lauder, higher end. I mean, that hasn't reacted the same way. Right. Uh, Ulta's been strong, and we should. I mean, all, uh, for, uh, Franz makes up a good point that that. You know, maybe it's that you look for an industry like makeup cosmetics was already on the rise, already growing. And then you find like a smaller growth company in that space. And if it's got good numbers, then maybe that's a good formula there. But all right, guys, 904 a.m. Eastern. Before we before we sign off for the day, I guess let's check back in on uh, NYCB. Yeah, it's in the red now. Oh, boy, we're leaking. All right. If this thing gets below $4, if this is trading below like three fifty, it's lows of the day, then I'm calling it rate cuts this, it back on the table. This okay, is the canary in the coal mine, the name of our show here today. This is the risk for the IWM. KRE, it's the reason KRE is not rallying here. And you can say all you want, it's 1% of the KRE, but it's the contagion effect that this market is worried about here. We don't want to see you know, this bank, you know, a potential bank run here because then it gets everybody thinking about last March and everybody worrying about their own regional bank. We don't want to see that happen. That is the issue here right now. That is why they had this conference call this morning. That is why they bought an, brought an executive back from Flagstar, trying to shake things up, trying to bring confidence back into the stock and into the company because right now this company, you know, the stock price looks like it's on, you know, the death spiral here so we need to come out of this death spiral need to start you know drifting higher we don't want to see those lows to aaron's point at 350 it's going to bring the iwm down with it so you know if you're sitting here saying yeah i'm gonna go buy you know some banks here today and i'm gonna go buy some iwm remember the iwm is very 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 linked with the kre here right now it's watching closely so if nycb stabilizes 
you know, IWM can rally. But if we start losing the KRE and NYCB, the IWM is going to go down with it. I've called an audible. We were going to wrap, but I see in a couple tickers in the chat that people want to talk about. And I've got word from our producer that we do have a few extra minutes. Sure. Uh, let's go to Roblox ticker RBLX, uh, making 52 week oh highs, I believe. Um, let me go up and pull the report. Wasn't this down? Oh, no, there wasn't is no... this down on the report. All right, hold on. I got to refresh. It traded list. down to uh, 38 and change. Uh, yeah. let's see. Yep. Yep. It traded down. What just to... happened? So, so right... this stock was down earlier. Roblox was down. I'm just trying to look at Do your kids use stock. Roblox, by the way, Dennis. No, they don't. Okay. They don't know about it, though. They probably would. Too cheap. <laughs> that is just too cheap. Well, they know about it, but I don't have it. Show us the earnings here. Let's let's All analyze right. this. is very interesting. You got a lot of reversals today. So daily, a lot of reversals. Daily like yesterday. Okay. EPS yeah. came in at negative 52 cents, beat uh, estimates by three cents, bookings of 1.13 billion, beat by 50 million. I think this is probably why you're seeing the stock up. Daily active users, 71 and a half million, up 22% year over year. That's a that's a big uh you know, big jump there. Hours engaged, 15 and a half billion. Wow, up 21% again year over year. So seeing some strong user growth there. EPS slight beat. Uh, and then the bookings beat as well. Let's go to the chart real quick. Look at the five. Yeah, minute. see what time the pop happened. Chat saying it was down before the earnings report, and that could be the case. Eight o'clock it reported at. So what time was the actual leak here? So just blow that up a little bit bigger so we can actually see it. I know this is go to uh, the five minute right, we here. Go, we can go to a two minute too. Let's go to this yeah. and then zoom I in. I think here. you're right. I think the, you're correct. Chat is correct. Seven. Chat is seven. so smart. So yeah. it was trading down two bucks ahead of the report. So they were pretty nervous about this report. Um, I usually like to buy stocks when they're giving me that much of a lead. I didn't know it was trading $2 down ahead of the report. I actually just, there was so many earnings. I actually, when I saw it down $2, I just assumed it had reported. So, I mean, I don't know why I was trading two, down $2 ahead of the report, but that was obviously a gift. And, you know, now obviously lifting, you know, what, what did this thing, what did this thing get down to? So it's at $45 now. I'm going to guess this thing got down to 20 bucks when growth was out of favor. Might be lower than that. Uh, let's see here. Uh, back at the end of 2023, it got to no, a 20, low of 24.88. Uh, but just real quick, I just wanted to mention technically on this one. Don't know if we missed the high of the day. You got the 47.39 in the pre-market trading. You leaked off a couple bucks off that. But uh, now that we're trading at 45 bucks, there's a gap in here from the end of the year. And uh, that gap, fill is at 45.69. That day it settled at 45.72. Uh, so if, you, if you're looking for more, you know, make sure they fill the gap and get bid uh, above the gap. NYCB now under four dollars. Spoos yeah, don't care. Spoos don't care. The market so, doesn't care. So so interesting enough. And I'm gonna correct you as I corrected somebody on Twitter because somebody tweeted at me, the market doesn't care about NYCB. And I'm going to correct you now too, Joel, because people are saying this. The S P and Mega Cap Tech doesn't care about NYCB. The IWM absolutely does. So you have a separation here. Mega cap tech is seen as the safety trade. When we started having banking problems, they're like, well, we know Apple's good. We know Microsoft's good. We know NVIDIA's firing on all cylinders. We're going to go hide there. So mega cap tech 
doesn't care. They actually don't even mind it going down. They actually sometimes have a flight to quality there, and that helps to elevate the Qs in the S&P. IWM, no such luck. The IWM absolutely cares. It's why the IWM has lagged. I'm going to say it. The main reason the IWM is lagging the overall market right now is the KRE. Because you know what? You got stocks like Caterpillar that have been doing pretty good. You got stocks like 4NGM doing pretty good. You got some smaller cap stocks doing pretty good. KRE, not helping. It's what's holding back the IWM. So the broader market absolutely cares. But to Joel's point, the S&P appears not to care because it's so heavily weighted in mega cap tech. Uh, someone in the chat pointed out as well that Roblox gave strong guidance. You have some companies that, that that are that are you know refusing to give guidance or whatever, looking forward to the next year. Roblox, meanwhile, says jumps amid booking search, strong outlook through 2027. They're saying, oh, the next three years are going to be good. They must have a crystal ball to be able to tell what's going to be happening in 2027. Uh, last stock we're going to hit on for the day. Can we hit Tesla? Can we oh, stop okay. at Tesla? Two, all right. So we because everybody's talking about Tesla. I want to bring it up here too because we had a big downgrade from Daiwa yesterday that put the sell rating on the stock. I think they bottom ticked it, man. I think they actually bottom ticked it. So if we look at the after hours action and the pre-market action from yesterday, the stock was under 175. Everybody's coming in. Here's a new low for Tesla. It looks like, you know, this is like, you know, going, you know, taking out the lows, 160s in the cards. And it just completely reversed yesterday. And maybe it's because, again, the contrarian trade came back into favor. And Tesla's definitely been in a downtrend. So you got to watch those overall trends too, folks. But it was a big pop right straight off the open yesterday. Caught everybody who was trying to short that stock off the open. And now the rally continues here. And it's up another $5. And maybe it's Ford helping it because Ford's lifting. It is an auto company. You know, maybe that's helping to a certain extent here. But does that not look like a nice trap? You know, down there, Joel, you know, the, from two days ago, and it cut, undercut and rally under the 180. Does it not look like that on Tesla? Yeah, actually, uh, the low was on Monday at 175.01, but uh, it opened up 177.21, 177.11 low. Once again, we talk about the importance of, you know, the opening prices and, you know, a lot of times taking opportunity off the open. But if you had the gumption, maybe leaning on uh, that that low from Monday at 175.01, uh, nice move today. Where we're trading at one one ninety even. That's up four ninety. Uh, what's your next daily high that comes into play? Uh, not much in here as far as resistance. Uh, one uh, one ninety three ninety seven. Uh, that was your high to end the month of January. Uh, for resistance, it's going to wrap it up here. Uh, S&Ps, we're right back at all-time highs. Uh, the all-time high print, that was on Friday, 97.75. We're currently at 49.99.50. And uh, for tomorrow, uh, we haven't uh, talked to Christian Fromhertz in oh, a while. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Talk to yeah, so we're, we're going to dial, dial him up. We didn't get to the sports streaming alliance. Oh, but, man, uh, we'll talk about that tomorrow. I, 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 I do have, I do have thoughts on that as well. Yet. All right, well, well, we'll talk about it. I will say just real quick on the analyst rating from Tesla. I mean, they might have bottom ticked it, but pretty good job because they gave a price target of 195, <laughs> and it looks like it's going straight there. I mean, they came what? in it. They came in and downgraded it when it was at 180, but with the price target of 195, and it looks like it's going straight to their price target. So good job. Well, on that I don't game. understand these ratings. Well, because you can say there. you can say you were right either way. If it goes down, they lower. Is that why they hedge themselves? Well, no, they low. So it was probably like a 230. Well, it was downgraded to neutral. It wasn't underweight. It was to neutral. 
Okay. Well, okay. either way, they can say they were right. Either way, you know, they can say, okay, it went down. We downgraded it. We were right. Or it can go up to our price target. Oh, look how good our price target was. Oh um, but all right, guys, thanks for tuning in. They obviously had a buy on it if they were downgraded to neutral. I mean, they were wrong for a very long time. So these analysts, you know, I don't, I don't understand it sometimes, but <laughs> sorry. All right, guys, smash the like if you have not already. Again, we'll be on with From Hertz tomorrow morning, 8 a.m. Eastern. You know where to find us. Till then, stay green and happy trading. We'll be right back.